This episode of Transform Your Workplace is brought to you by Zenium HR. The demands of HR and payroll are endless, and that's why Zenium provides a complete solution for both so that you can focus on what you do best, which is growing your organization. Learn more about Zenium at zeniumhr.com. Okay, I'm so excited to share this interview with you. I had a conversation with Annika Victorica recently, and Annika and I go way back. She discovered the Transform Your Workplace podcast before it was a Transform Your Workplace podcast. It was called the HR for Small Business podcast. When I first started the podcast, and this is back in 2012, mind you, and I wanted to create a resource through Zenium that was in support of HR professionals in their growth and development. And Annika found our podcast. She lives in Barcelona, Spain. And at the time, and she's since moved on, which you'll you'll hear from her in a little bit, but she was early on in her HR career supporting an international remote workforce. And she found some of the content of, of our podcast helpful to her development. Furthermore, she ended up working directly with Zenium and one of our amazing HR business partners and now HR director, Lacey Partipillo, who, who you've heard on the podcast several times. But this episode is all about Annika's career and her career arc. I mean, she started in HR, like I said, supporting an organization that is internationally and remote and did some really great work. And Fast forward to today, and she started her own HR consulting organization and is working with companies that were similar to the organization she supported in that they're possibly remote, they're international, and she has developed herself into such a great HR expert. And she's here to tell the story. It's a really good story. You're going to love it. Let me know what you think about it. Reach out to me on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, any of those places. I'd love to hear from you. But enjoy the conversation I had with Annika Victorica. It is such a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. We go way back. And I think you were, you just said you were digging up some emails when we first communicated. But I think we first started communicating back in like 2013 or something like that. You'd run across the podcast. How did you run across the show in the first place and, you know, all that? Yeah, no, it has been a really long time. Well, I'm actually a huge fan of podcasts in general. I kind of listen to them all the time. So, you know, I'm walking my dogs or cooking or cleaning. So when in my former job, when I started working and really focusing on HR, that's not the area of my, let's say, formal training. So I think I kind of naturally leaned into podcasts and I think I typed in, you know, HR podcast, Google that and I found Zeniums. And I just really loved listening to the interviews that you did with, with different folks. And I listened to every episode, but I think I didn't wait too long. <laughs> I, yeah, I was, pretty, I was pretty fanatical about it. I kind of, when, when I find a, a learning resource, I tend to really dive in. 
But I think that I didn't wait too long, actually, to reach out to you. Yeah, get more in-depth support. So yeah, I was a fan early on, and the podcast was definitely my the gateway, let's say, to coaching with Zenium. What were the kind of topics that you really, I mean, you said you listened to all, like all of them, but as a newer HR person that were, you were just trying to educate yourself, what, what were some of the topics that you liked? Yeah, to your point, it was a long time ago, so I don't exactly remember, but I think honestly, everything, I think, and maybe, you know, there are uh, kind of new HR people listening uh, to this, I'm, I'm sure there are, and it probably resonates that I think I was looking for things that were quite, say, you know, substantive or tangible, kind of, you know, how do you design a performance uh, review or, you know, how do you, you know, harness all the benefits from your one-on-one meetings, et cetera. And then things that were a bit more intangible, you know, related to team building or trust and, and building relationships with your colleagues, things like that. So I think basically, I don't remember there ever being a, an episode where I thought this isn't relevant to me. So honestly, I'll listen to all of it. <laughs> It's funny, like you say, relevant. Tell people where you're coming from right now, because I think that's the interesting part. It's 6 p.m. for you right now. It's 9 a.m. for me. So where does that put you in the world? I am in Barcelona, Spain, and I've been here for about six years. So yeah, for most of the time, yeah, I think that we've known each other. We've had this time difference. (laughs) So, so fascinating. So why did you decide to reach out? I mean, where were you at in your career at the time you said you were early in HR? You know, just talk about your role at the time and what, you know, where your growth was at as an HR professional. Yeah, I reached out because I was pretty lost, to be honest. I'm pretty much an uh, open book. And I'm uh, (laughs) happy to say that when I reached out, you may uh, hear some people are dealing with kids at home while they're working. Oh, yeah, I, do. Yeah, yeah. I have I have snoring dogs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> but yes, yeah, so, so I was working at a nonprofit organization that you know called uh, the Engine Room at the time. And it was essentially a startup, I guess. And I joined originally in a programmatic role, like in a programmatic capacity, but startups, it was really dynamic. And so everybody tends to wear different hats. And since I'm a lawyer by training, I transitioned pretty organically and quickly to a more operational role. So instead of working on projects with partners or, you know, clients, as it would be in a for-profit space, I kind of started working on reviewing contracts and grant proposals, things like that. And so by the time that I reached out to you all, I think I'd been managing like HR and operations for a while, but... I wasn't a fan of the, of the ops side, to be yeah. honest. I wasn't <laughs> cash flows that were not my were not my my strength. And the team had grown quite a bit, so my boss at the time generously suggested that we find someone to take over the operations side, so I could focus exclusively on HR, which was pretty luxurious for a relatively small team. We were only ten or twelve people or so. I think it was a testament to how the organization prioritized its people and culture, which was great. But then I obviously wanted to do a really good job and and I lacked the expertise. And so your podcast, yeah, was a really easy and, and accessible and fun way to yeah, to learn from experts in, in the field. So, and as you know, I particularly love the episodes with Lacey, who I think is <laughs> your director of, I think, HR and, and client experience, if I'm... That's right. Yeah. And so you'd re- you'd reached out to her as, as well. I think you, you really had a kind of a connection to her, it seemed like. Yeah. And so you probably were, you wanted to work directly with her. 
Yeah. Well, I've reached out to you, I think. I, I can't remember. I think I've reached out to you first and said, you know, I really love the podcast. And and I was wondering if, you know, if there's any way that I could maybe connect with Lacey. I'm interested in coaching or, you know, getting a sense of some kind of whatever uh, support she was providing. I had no idea if she did this or not, but I just loved her energy and, and, and smarts and, and openness listening to the podcast. I always got excited when it was an episode with her. And yeah, and so I think I was pretty tenacious uh, <laughs> about it. And I was very happy when she said yes. But yeah, it was definitely, there was a, a, a connection, I felt like, before I even met her. And then when we met, it totally, it really clicked and it really felt like, yeah, like a, a partnership. So you sourced us to help you and specifically Lacey was supporting you early on when when you started working with Zenium. What were you hoping to achieve during that point? Like, were you looking for coaching? Were, were there certain like projects and things like that you needed to get done or... Were you just really trying to to grow and develop into the HR professional that you know you probably could be? Yeah, I think that what I wanted was something kind of holistic, which is also why I think connecting with the person was important to me. I mean, it's it's kind of always important to me. That's my thing. But I think I wanted the expertise but also a sounding board. So I was looking for somebody with experience to ask pointed questions, you know, about strategy or, you know, how Lisa would approach a tricky situation and to just have someone to hear also my potentially bad ideas about something. Um, I'm sure you didn't have any bad ideas. Oh, well, I'm sure I did. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, to be able to, you know, share those potentially bad ideas and have somebody who I could trust to, you know, not judge, but at the same time say, you know, that's not how I would go about it and have that person not be my boss. You know, even though my managers, you know, at the engine room were amazing and, but you know, they're still your managers and they also weren't HR experts, right? So the coaching really allowed me to, to learn and kind of practice in a space that felt safe to me. And after a while, I, I would feel like I'm kind of channeling Lacey because I would start to, you know, develop those instincts where I think, okay, what would Lacey do in this situation? And then I kind of knew it, you know, and then that was, so it would turn into me, you know, double checking with her and saying, hey, I'm kind of thinking of going this direction. And then she would, you know, more and more, she would say, oh, you know, that's great. Yeah, I totally agree. And that's how that kind of developed. So going back to the engine room and that organization, nonprofit, the unique aspect of that organization is that didn't you have employees kind of sprinkled all across the world? And so you're managing mm -hmm. really operations in HR for an international remote first company. Isn't that right? Yeah. Yeah. That was definitely the less fun part, not the remoteness or the, the, the diversity on the team, but from like the more, you know, from like a payroll and like compliance perspective, yeah, that's, right. that's definitely tricky. Yeah. So the, the engine room is a nonprofit, like you said, and it supports activists and, and civil society organizations throughout the world to use data and technology strategically and, and responsibly. And the team is made up of really incredible, inspiring researchers and, and activists and technologists and, and communications folks. But yeah, they're, they're all around the world. And so figuring out, you know, yeah, what do contracts look like? What does paid leave look like? There's, you know, kind of every 
policy and process, you kind of have to look at it with a slightly different lens. What I always say when I would kind of my own growth and learning happened in connecting with other people in kind of similar situations. So other HR folks or, or executive directors of remote nonprofits, because you've got the nonprofit aspect, you've got the remote aspect, and you've got the global aspect. And, you know, whenever you think of any kind of HR process or policy or or activity or kind of priority, a lot of times there's that lens that has to be a little bit different to account for those variables. And I think it's gotten a lot better now, but when I started out, you know, there are just very few resources that check all those boxes, you know, so you've got great you know, blog posts and, and, and articles, etc. But there aren't many that are really relevant for all of those things. Maybe it's for, you know, a really large kind of for-profit company or it's for a local, you know, in-person office, you know, or kind of, I mean, I don't think any team is not diverse, but, you know, it does look a little bit different with that kind of profile of organization and team. So you you leverage Zenium for kind of the best practice, HR consulting, but like you were saying, like international payroll and compliance, like what, what other resources did you source as an HR professional when you're operating a, a global nonprofit? Yeah, uh, that I would say that operations and, and compliance and payroll side is definitely tricky. And a lot of it for, especially for an organization of the size where I was, which, you know, was under 20, you can't do it all uh, internally. And I think finding really great support and service providers externally is is key. So there are service providers that help with, with payroll. There are ones that uh, companies called professional employer organizations that allow you to employ people. And that has been crucial for a remote global team. So yeah, you know, there's definitely a limit to what you can do in-house for, for many organizations. And even, I think, in, in lots of cases, there's you know an argument to be made that in some cases it's smart, even if you technically have the internal capacity, because you kind of think of, you know, at what cost, you know, would people's time be better spent on something else where when you have a change in legislation, does it make sense for your staff to actually stay up to date on all of those nuanced changes or does it make sense to outsource that? Leverage somebody who already knows the answer. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, yeah. and it's because it's, it's, it's never ending. Yeah, exactly. Now with a remote organization, how do you build a, like a workplace culture, so to speak with like, with no workplace intact? Cause I know like as an HR professional, that's, you know, that's top of mind for a lot of people is like, how do we build this inclusive, you know, great culture with positive relationships and all that. Like, how do you do that when it's like everybody's scattered across the world? Yeah, it's a good question. And it's kind of hard to define it with certainty, you know, or, or precision. I think I, I like to say that there are certain things that you do that are kind of foundational steps. And I feel like when it comes to culture, a big part of it is honestly the hiring process because it, it's kind of hiring people who you think are going to contribute to a positive culture. And obviously there's, I don't know how different it is necessarily in a remote environment, 
but having, even if they're not necessarily written down, but kind of having a sense of what your organization's values are. I'm obviously a big fan of dedicating more time to it, but I think having that clarity on what is really important, you know, what are kind of the the deal breakers and and the must-haves and the nice-to-haves, and then bringing people on who are going to contribute to that, right? Because that makes it I mean, it makes the rest of the work a lot easier because you can have, you know, there are things like all team calls and designing really intentional, thoughtful communication channels and kind of expectations around communications when you're not in the same space. But at the end of the day, I think a lot of it comes down to people being a good fit, right? Because then if people feel like they're engaged and and connected with the mission of the organization, that the values speak to them, then I feel like it's easier to get everybody kind of coming with the best of intentions and and being present and, and being engaged and excited to be a part of that culture. And I think also over the years, what we've also seen at the engine room, at least, was the increasing collaboration in a lot of spaces, so in the work, but then also around internal stuff. So in terms of operational activities, you know, team building activities, communications, you know, protocols, let's say, ways that we coordinate, having the broader team kind of contribute and inform those practices is also, I find really helpful for having, you know, buy-in and having, you know, the organizational culture feel like it belongs to, to everybody. And again, for a remote team, it's it's important, but I think it's pretty universal that a cert- having a certain level of allowing things to continue evolving also yeah. is, is important so that when somebody new comes, it doesn't feel like they're coming into, you know, an organization that's kind of, you know, a dinosaur and, and static. Stale. <laughs> Exactly. Like they're like, oh, I can't, you know, I can't actually help shape this. And I think that's tricky from the HR perspective. I'm sure it's relevant for for lots of roles, but I know at least for within HR, everything is so interconnected and you kind of feel like, as you know, you can't really finish one thing until the other thing is finished, but you also can't do everything at once. So it's, Mm. you know, ideally you could say, oh, now we finished this policy or this process and now we can move on. And it's it's like, you can't really, like it's just, you have to kind of to stay open to, to yeah. feedback into that. Speaking of evolving, how did your career evolve over the years? I mean, you, t- you took on this role. I, I don't know when it was because you said you were doing this role before you'd, you'd reached out to me for quite some time. But you'd stayed with Andrew Room, I think, for many years. And I don't know when you eventually left. And we're going to get into uh, what you're doing now. But I really want to know what your trajectory was as an HR professional, what your development looked like and just how Mm -hmm. you continued to grow? Yeah, it was, it was pretty organic. I think I hadn't planned to be an an HR professional, as you put it. I started out when I was able to start focusing on HR specifically. And I always told people, I don't think I would be doing HR if I hadn't, if it hadn't been a possibility within a team that was really inspiring, you know, and, and positive and, and supportive. It allowed me to see what it could be, you know, to focus on HR. And at the same time, I think I was also able to kind of put my on it because I didn't necessarily know what I was doing in the beginning. But, you know, in the beginning, I, I read a lot 
and spoke with Lacey a lot, obviously. And yes, I started gaining knowledge and confidence simultaneously. At least in my case, it usually happens. Like I don't tend to be confident when I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, HR is one of those things that it seems like you have to go through the experiences. Like you, you apply that yeah. knowledge that you've you've read or you've discussed with like a person like Lacey. And then, and then when you actually get a chance to, to apply it, I feel like that's probably how you grow as an HR professional in, in a lot of cases. I, th- I think that's spot on because at the end of the day, you're talking about people, right? right. And there's not really a, a, a formula. I think that's also the really fun part is sometimes thinking, okay, yeah, I've totally got this. And then I get feedback that it was really, you know, off the mark or, and okay, wow, that's, re- but it's, it's super interesting as long as, you know, you stay open and you're kind of curious about the the human condition. I always find it really fascinating to kind of gain knowledge and then maybe test an assumption. And when you run into those, those bumps uh, along the road and figure out what creates tension uh, or friction in, in certain people and what doesn't and, and managing that, not, not resolving it, but kind of managing that diversity of experience and, and perception is, I think is what makes it really fun and kind of HR remains dynamic. I feel like even in the most, you know, stale organizations, um, (laughs) at least you've got, it's going to remain dynamic because you're dealing with people and people are dynamic. I read a lot and I, I'm a talker. I like connecting with people. I like talking with people and I get a lot from that mix of kind of being at my desk and, and reading and writing and playing around with something in my mind and then talking with people and brainstorming solutions. I feel like I grow a lot from, yeah, from conversation and, and collaboration. So the, the beautiful thing about this conversation today is that I really feel like this has come completely full circle. Like you started your career in HR in a junior role. You didn't know a lot about HR. You're a, a lawyer by trade, I think. And you work for the engine room you consult with, you know, Lacey's consulting with you, you go through your experiences, and then your your HR career goes on a, a trajectory to where then now you go off on your own and you start an HR consulting firm called Bloom HR. What was the decision behind that? And was that even on your radar? Yeah, it has been a pretty, yeah, it's been a wild ride. I think I think that it had been on my mind for a while. And then, you know, there's always in life, there's always certain circumstances that kind of make you feel like, okay, yeah, now, now I'm going to do it. You know, now you kind of, you know, you, you dive in the, in the deep end. Right. Well, it's scary to go off on your own. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's, it's scary. And at the same time, I don't know. It's fun. I don't get uh, scared too easily in terms of change. I tend to get excited. And I think that in this case, I feel like the more confident you feel, the better decision is going to feel. I always, I always think, you know, you don't necessarily know ahead of time if you're making the right decision, but when you make a decision and you feel a sense of, you know, relief or excitement, I feel like that's usually the indicator that it's the right way to go. And yeah, in this case, it had been, I've been at the engine room for over seven years and I was looking for kind of applying like what what you mentioned before, kind of applying what I had learned and my own kind of thoughts and ideas to different contexts, realizing that at the end of the day, you know, this is an amazing team and it's uh, obviously an evolving team because you've got different people coming in and, and going out. But 
there's still something different about uh, working with a client whose organization looks totally different, right? And has different priorities and different uh, constraints and being able to support them is something that I just got really excited about kind of that, you know, flexing that, that muscle in my brain and having flexibility, honestly, and greater work-life balance. So I just, I knew that I wanted to be, I knew what I wanted to do more of and I knew what I wanted to do less of. And there's, you know, a limit to what you can you know, delegate or outsource when you're uh, working on a team. And yeah, being a consultant, you know, there's advantages and disadvantages to, to everything, right? And in this case, I thought, well, you know, if I can uh, do this, I think I can narrow down on the things that I really, really love to do, things that I'm really, really good at. And I don't have to do as much of the things that I'm either less interested in or that aren't my strengths. And yeah, so far, I've been really happy with the decision. That is great. Are you working with international organizations? Are you sticking to Barcelona, Spain, like regional area? What is your plan for how you're supporting organizations and where what they look like? Yeah, yeah, I've I've never yeah done anything local to be honest. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, no, and it, it, it's it's funny because even when you know even when I was in my old organization and people and I would talk to people just you know who didn't necessarily know a lot about my job and, and you know the, the concept of remote work. You know now it's obviously very different in light of you know COVID has kind of turned everything on its head. But back in the day, it was just kind of a foreign concept, you know, to to be working somewhere and not have anything to do with the place where you're living. So for now, yeah, I've just been working with clients who are who are international. So none of them are based in in Spain, and all of them what they have in common is they work uh, remotely, and they are you know, either nonprofits or, or foundations or just, you know, socially conscious companies. Mm-hmm. I got my HR sea legs, you know, in a remote uh, environment. <laughs> I feel like now people are definitely obviously recognizing by necessity kind of what different, you know, policies and processes and, and activities look like in a remote context. And, you know, the, the consequences of doing them, you know, well and doing them in a way that doesn't necessarily re- address, mm-hmm. you know, the, the challenges of a remote environment. So that's, that's what I'm focusing on is supporting you know, socially conscious organizations and, and leaders who are, are trying to figure out how to do HR and culture and s- support their team. Yeah, when you're not in the same space. When you reflect back on your career and what led you to today, what were some of the key moments throughout your career, big ahas, whether you, you know, maybe they're really positive or maybe you kind of fell on your butt and learned a lot from it. But I'm curious if you had any key moments in your development that you can remember. Yeah, lots of both. I think uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think in terms of successes, I'm sure HR, people think of HR and maybe think of something that traditionally or conventionally was quite dry. And luckily that hasn't been my experience. And so I think with, with the successes, it's been feedback from colleagues, you know, and whether they're colleagues I work directly with or clients now, getting feedback that something was impactful for them, 
that they felt like I, you know, held space for kind of their unique experiences that I was able to support in a way that was, you know, smart and strategic, but also made them feel good, you know, and made them feel like, like it was a safe space. Those are, I have, you know, a few conversations, like a few emails and a few chats that I've, you know, saved that just made me feel like that emotional labor, you know, that comes with uh, the work that it was totally worth it. And again, I was lucky to work in, in an environment and I'm lucky to work with people now where, the work is valued. So I think those successes were probably more, more obvious than, than it is maybe to some. And the challenges, I think a big one has been around, honestly, confidence and kind of trusting my own instincts and being self-aware and content with what I'm good at, right? With, with my strengths. And I've always been very open. I'm, I'm an open book. Everybody <laughs> knows that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's helped me a lot in, in the sense that I'm very open about, you know, what I like, what I think I'm good at, what I don't like, what I, what I struggle with, but feeling like it's okay. Like that, that letting go of that, that perfectionism, even when it doesn't look like perfectionism from the outside, because there are people who are perfectionists and you'd say, Oh my gosh, really? <laughs> but there's yeah. that, you know, that inner, that inner critic letting go of that was was difficult. I was actually very late in life diagnosed with uh, ADHD, and I think quite a few people can relate to this, or probably some of your listeners. But it actually really helped. It was it was quite shocking at first, and then the more I looked into it, and I thought, oh my god, they're describing <laughs> me. This is my brain. This is my life. They're describing it, and you know, I shared it with you know friends and family and loved ones, and they go, oh my gosh, this is that you. It explains so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and that really helped. I mean, it was, it led to huge challenges in the sense that some things are just more difficult, you know, for everybody has, you know, things that come easy to them and things that are harder, but it was really helpful to get kind of a, not like a cheat sheet, but something similar to that, or at least validating that if something is difficult or if something's easy, it's not necessarily a reflection of effort. And it's definitely not a reflection of your inner worth or or value as a human being, but that was definitely a, a struggle. And then if you couple that with a role where you really want to support people and you put high expectations on yourself and then you struggle with something, that can be an unfortunate combination, which is why I'm, I'm really yeah, passionate about people finding, doing something that's a really good fit for them and kind of embracing what it is that comes easy, what it is that comes hard and letting go of what should be. So that, that I think that's been a, yeah, definitely a defining moment in my own trajectory. And luckily I'm now at the, I don't want to say on the other side of it necessarily, but <laughs> yeah, on the other side of feeling, yeah, no, this is, you know, this is, yeah. this is my brain and that's absolutely fine. And, and now I get to do the things that I'm yeah. really good at. And it's just, you know, been a huge for my own well-being. For those that might be listening who are newer in their HR careers, what advice would you have for them early on in their careers? I would say to be, to try to be self-aware and that means being true to your your strengths and, and your interests and being aware of where you struggle. I think being open helps and focusing on, on relationships. And I, I think obviously HR looks different in, in, in every office, you know, in every workplace. But 
relationships are never going to not be important. Exactly. No. Relationships with, with people are always going to, to matter. And I think that for me, one thing I, I learned a lot, and obviously this depends a bit on organizational culture and, and, you know, sometimes HR has limited leeway, but I think being open sometimes about the, the constraints that you're operating uh, within with your colleagues can be can be helpful because I, I know that, I mean, I think there's that, that expression, you know, HR is the department of no, which I think I heard a few <laughs> years in and I thought, Oh God, that sounds awful. That's just absolutely not how I, how I see myself. But at the same time, I love connecting with people, but at the same time, you know, you have to be kind of aware of the power that you have in, in an organization and in a relationship and being really mindful of that. So I think finding a way that is that feels good to you to manage that closeness and openness with people and that honesty and authenticity, while at the same time also being honest and, and clear in terms of boundaries, you know, and, and constraints and kind of what your role is, is really important because, you know, I've seen people go kind of way to one side. I remember I, they used to call me at my old organization, they used to call me, you know, the engine room therapist. And we we're like, hmm, that's not, that's not what we're going for because I'm, I'm not trained. I'm not a trained therapist. I do not have the qualifications. And then at the same time, obviously I've seen organizations where, you know, people have said, well, you know, I, I represent the company and that's it. And like, well, you know, that's not my, like, I think that's, that's not Yikes. a very nuanced, that's not how that's I not would fair. like to. Yeah see my role. So I think finding an authentic way of reconciling the way that you show up with your colleagues is, is really... I think it's great advice. Well, Annika, thank you for coming on the show. Where, where can people learn more about you and connect with you if they if they would like to do that? Where can they find you? Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, people can find me at bloomhr.com. So that's B-L-O-O-M-H-R.com. And there you can learn about the services that I offer and you can get in touch with me directly there. And you can also sign up for my newsletter. And that's a way to get my thoughts and analysis and insights and, and resources in your inbox regularly. My guest today has been Annika Victorica. Annika, thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Thanks so much, Brandon. So nice to, to reconnect and to, to talk more about this at the end of this long road. <laughs>